0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sports Scientist Podcast. Uh, our guest today is uh, the big guy, uh, Chad Wesley, uh, Will Smith over here, and uh, your hostess with the mostest, whatever body here probably, uh, Dr. Mike Zietel, and the guy with the most power tools in uh, all of the fitness world, Dr. James Hoffman. You're welcome, America. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> Folks... Thank you so much. That was my co-host, Dr. Marcos Rodriguez. Congratulations. Last week finished a PhD in mushroom development and organobiosynthetic psychedelic chemistry.
0: Mycology, that's cool, too.
1: But, I mean, I'd hit on the real shit that you actually did. All right. So, Chad. Michael. Good, good to see you. Michael. Michael. Um, are you ready for questions from the high, overachieving, superlative halo in the
2: sky known as Instagram. Fire away. Wow. And we get started. I pride myself on my when I do my Instagram Q&A's of at least one question answered per minute. That's pretty good. Holy shit. You type these? Yeah. Damn. On the phone. Damn.
1: Emilia arcs. Says, question, how critical is training frequency in terms of maximizing potential for powerlifting and weightlifting? There's a lot of talk about after a certain number of sets per week, hypertrophic potential diminishes. Um, but what about strength slash technique? Is there a benefit to increasing from three to four days a week to five to six, provided I'm recovering appropriately, appropriately from the extra stress?
2: Uh, well, yeah, the, the last part, that caveat of provided you're recovering appropriately then go ahead and, and increase, um, you know, more, more technical exposure, particularly in weightlifting is, it's going to make a bigger difference because the technique is so much more refined than powerlifting. Uh, so yes, yeah, so assuming that you're, you are recovering appropriately, then go ahead and, and increase the frequency. You'll probably get higher quality sessions with that as well. But if you're getting all the way up to five, five or six sessions per week of a given lift, uh maybe i could see like small female powerlifters bench pressing 5 or 6 times a week but anyone else i can't imagine actually effectively recovering with that
3: yeah i think the strategy there is more for For skill enhancement, so for powerlifting, I can see that being less and less applicable. Whereas like weightlifting, you have a really high technique complex skill that you're working on. You could say a similar thing to like gymnastics or even like figure skating. Where, yeah, you need that constant reinforcement of the technique. But for just getting bigger and even stronger in some case, the frequency is not necessarily better or worse
1: outside of what you can recover from. So There's also a real factor in... um, overload frequency versus just frequency yeah at some point if you're trying to get a 900 plus pound squatter to squat four times a week some of those sessions are going to be to some extent just technical reinforcement and if it's an advanced lifter that has good technique already it's kind of questionable chad can you talk about that like at what point do you make the cutoff of more sessions reinforced technique versus maybe just sit at home and
2: relax or what do you think about that Mm -hmm. you know in regards to technical sessions i talked about in my presentation earlier I encourage people to, to strive for finding the lightest weight that they can feel their technique at. Yeah, it's it's very easy if someone has 135 on the bar or whatever to just do the reps and not be mindful of where was the pressure in my, fo- my foot. And even if they are mindful of it, to not actually be able to tell the difference between a good squat and a bad squat when the weight is too light. But as you become more and more advanced, I think you can feel at lighter and lighter weights what's good, what's not. And then use those technical sessions for recovery without interfering with uh, with with recovery or sorry, use them for technical development without interfering with recovery perhaps even enhancing recovery i had gotten to the point for myself where like 170 kilo squat which was less than 25% intensity i could tell i did that well or or not well and felt like it was improving my technique from from really high frequency of that mm hmm Very, very interesting stuff.
1: Next question from It's Really Me Seriously. Chad, can you sit on a normal toilet comfortably? Uh, Define normal. Define comfort. Do
3: you need like a big man toilet? Like as featured in Robin Big, if you ever saw that episode
2: where he gets big, the big man toilet. Uh, I, I was a fan of Robin Big. I don't remember that specific episode the one that really stands out to me is the black lavender
3: yes oh my
2: god i, I charge by the pound <laughs> i, I was like big was a stripper <laughs> i'd like to get myself a velour suit like that what would your
0: stripper Jesus name be
2: Christ. i mean white white chocolate if we're staying within this the right, same wesley. white chocolate's yeah.
0: good wesley just wesley i like that
3: I want to stick with the W, White Wesley. but I can't. I can't find one.
2: Oh well, my! Uh, you, you know when they say like your middle name plus the street you grew up on—that's like your stripper name, mm-hmm. your porn star name. Mine would be Wesley Sycamore.
3: Ooh, right, that's a good
2: one. How much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, charge, <laughs> I, I charge by the pound. I charge by the pound. I don't know. Is that expensive. my my pounds or or their pounds? It's though? your pounds. Well, okay. I get paid more that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Pound—it's a critical word
1: there. So. Brandon Law thirteen uh, says, "I need to watch the bench pillars." Understood. I misread this question originally when I was screening it. I thought he said I watched the bench pillars, and then he had a follow up question. Fuck that! I'm not gonna even get into it. <laughs> He's
3: got don't sh- edit that he out. Got
2: shot down. And just go watch the fucking bench pillars video, and then ask your question. Um. It, all right. It is my ultimate goal that every question that gets asked, I can just refer to a video. video. Yeah. Video, video. All right. Chad,
1: Chad, Chad. How do you program for a power lifter who is not explosive at all? Has been following a program going between hypertrophy blocks and strength plus for a, uh, and strength blocks for a year. Plus been following RP templates RP temp for diet for that same year and has plateaued
2: slash regressed in all of their lifts. Um, well, I think it's it's simple to to say that they've done too much volume. You know that they, they've probably unlikely with reading those things and being a fan of stuff that they did too little. So just in a non functional, overreaching, overtraining state. So taking you know either just one block at minimum volume would be good, and then you know if they really do feel like they're slow. You no, know, that doesn't have a huge carryover to powerlifting success. Yeah, doing doing a more of an explosive strength type of block. I can I can get on board with that. Doubles, triples, building up you know, quality work capacity through that. I used to do a lot of stuff like eight to twelve triples every minute on the minute in the squat. Hmm. You know, it makes me
3: suspicious when they open up saying, like, not feeling explosive for powerlifters. That's usually like a bad start, right? And then, like Chad said, probably have to go back to the drawing board. It sounds like you're just doing something crazy and making They did say that they were
1: running the diet templates, which I, I am suspicious that maybe they lost a lot of weight and the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that stinks. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, you know, how would you program for a lifter like that? And it's just be like, just try to do a good job programming. You know, it's kind of like. Start thinking about your volume landmarks if you yeah, haven't been doing so yeah, already. For sure. All right. Trying to come up with good ones here. All the Quinn questions have flooded in. There was a lot of Quinn ones.
2: Oh, man. He was
1: great. I got a huge Quinn boner.
2: It's easy to diagnose people's injuries from. From an Instagram, Instagram question. Posts. Yes, that's yeah. very straightforward.
1: Decker Logan, this one's for Chad when first getting into strongman, do
2: you think it's best to improve your weaknesses or focus on your strengths? Um, so in, in terms of events and and everything, we look at the most successful strongmen. Yeah, you're going to have explosive strength qualities, endurance, muscular endurance qualities, maximal strength qualities, and very successful strongmen are going to gonna kind of fall within that spectrum in, in different places. I think first off, you got to look at look at what contests you're going to be going to be doing and get and get ready for those. But if you're just starting out, even the things that you're perceiving as strengths, maybe relative strengths, but they're still probably weaknesses in the, in the grand scheme of things. So improving mm-hmm. maximal strength, like it's called strong, man, you got to be strong, strong to do it. So, yeah, that's always where the most attention is, is going to be. But, uh, if, if you're severely lacking muscular endurance, I think you can develop enough of that for strongmen without, you know, doing like a muscular endurance block. Um, but more so just by, you know, pushing the volume of assistance work short, shortening your rest periods a little bit here and there. Um, It's hard to say because the
3: the thing with being a beginner is that you don't have strengths or weaknesses yet. That is a time-tested,
1: battle-proven kind of thing. Well, it's also, here's another question. Getting into strongman. By the time you got into strongman, you were already super strong. I don't know where this person is getting into strongman. Like, some people get into strongman. I've literally seen people do strongman meets when they've trained for six months. Like, they started and their coach's like, strongman, and they're like, sweet. So, it's like if you're getting into strongman and you're not all around strong yet... Then, you know, that's, it's really, you know, a very different answer than your job is to just get strong in the big three and like, you know, pulling movements. And then if you're getting into strongman and you're like super, super strong already, Then, you know, it's a more strategic question, injury management question, and uh, maybe getting into like a mock meet and seeing if something is so weak that it's really keeping you outside of the competitive circle. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is like what level of competition you're at. Like if your log press is good enough to win nationals, do you just – organize your training to try to get the biggest log press ever well if you want to go to log press worlds sure but then maybe your grip is so weak that like look you win the log press every time by a mile it doesn't matter anymore they don't give you any more points as far as I know in strongman for winning something by a mile so it really is a sport kind of that rewards yeah maybe working on your weak points a bit more but then again coming back to that earlier one like if you're fucking weak to begin with like don't fucking work it. you imagine someone be like doing grip work And you're like, why are you doing so much grip work and so much like yoke stuff? And why aren't you doing a lot of pressing? And they're like, well, my press is pretty good. Like, what's your press? like 135 pounds for a set of six. And you're like, you You need to just just train. There's also a difference between being like having a
3: strength and weakness or being competitive at something. Like, for example, you might have awesome pressing strength and your leg stuff like your deadlifts or any of the stuff starting from the floor carries. It's not bad, but it's competitive and Mm -hmm. people will often perceive that as like a weakness Mm when the reality is it might actually be worth cultivating that pressing strength so you can score a lot of points. Because
1: there are a lot of pressing events. It's not just one. Right. And then if
3: you're doing okay, if you're competitive in the other events, then you might end up just winning on points a lot of the times because you've cultivated one particular aspect. So it's a difficult question to answer at
2: times. I I always thought that my pressing was the weakest part of my strongman uh, events, but when i'd go to competitions i'd finish higher than i thought not because i did better than expected everyone else was just worse than i thought the, <laughs> they were going to be but when i was training strongman as well i had limited access to implements so all i really did was train yoke farmers stones basics uh, deadlift and overhead pressing you know, whether axle or the log and i think if you train those 5 events you develop you know sufficient aerobic capacity and sufficient lactic capacity, you're now good at like 80% of strongman. Yeah. Chad, if we had to do like a, not pillars of strongman,
1: but like the most important direct fitness characteristic for strongmen, other than the ability to like pick up a lot from the ground, like deadlift type moves. what? Here's my impression. Let me know if I'm wrong or miss something really big. Gripping strength. Uh, loaded walking and pressing uh, other than like deadlifting and stuff like mm-hmm. that is there anything else huge that we're leaving out except for like stones right which kind of like combines some of those because because I feel like if your grip is weak you're fucked like you're just gonna you lose competition if you can't walk with heavy weights there's like three events in every competition if you're just a really shitty presser like you're not gonna go super far in strong man is what do you think is like another big thing that like if you have a weakness in it you gotta really fix that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, just general back strength. So, so many of the events are stones type stuff. Yeah. The uh, low back and, and lat strength, whether it's being able to pull a stone into your body or a sandbag, uh, you know, arm over arm pulls, the stability that that's going to provide in the yoke walk and farmer's walk, it uh, goes a really long way. It makes sense. Oh, boy.
1: Marcos.
0: I was waiting for that. Go ahead.
1: Strong man. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of fat people wasting everyone's time or an actual sport? Bro, Marius? Are you kidding me? Name another lean strongman. Haftor's pretty lean. Chad? as strongmen go?
3: Yeah,
2: Did Thor. you say Chad? Yeah, I said Chad. Um, yeah, Is that a different Chad?
1: I <laughs> don't know anyone else. Uh,
2: yeah, Christoph Radzikowski is lean. Yeah. Darren Sadler, that guy was shredded. He's super shredded. Errol uh, Haugen. He's like a thousand years old <laughs> and fucking jacked. That, that's Oded Haugen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the, the other Haugen is he still competing or no? I, back in the I day, think he, he became was. a boxer. Yeah, that's right. He's like super athletic. He's just good yes. at everything. I used to, to drive up once a month and train with Od Haugen. He lives in like North LA. Mm-hmm. And the first day I drove up there, he was sixty-two years old. Did all the events with us, and then went in and squatted three fifteen for a set of twenty.
1: Okay. Some people are just Vikings.
2: I mean, he he has the most old man strength that could ever exist He's <laughs> yeah. like if you're the strongest old man and plus all the old man strength, his hands are like twice the size of mine. Oh my God. Yeah. He did the actual Arnold, I think for like a year or two when it started, he, he competed at world's strongest man when he was over 50. That's Mark. Ins- Mark Felix, I think is 50 years <sighs> old. Yeah, that's too. right. Jeez,
1: Fuck. All right. Question from Miguel CGO. Question for Chad Wesley Smith: How do you deal with people uh, with difficulty gaining strength, even in early stages? Some coaches say to do lower volumes, while others say higher volumes. What do you think
2: of this? I don't. I don't deal with them. I what cast them aside. What a cocksucker! <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, as as a beginner, as you're trying to establish, you know, what kind of volume you can you can tolerate. The, the low volume concept of like just doing 5-3-1, like the base 5, five three, one thing, that's going to work for a very short time. How long is very short? May- we talking about three months, six months, a year? What do you think? Yeah, I could, see, I could see six months. Six months. If someone is strong in doing it and able to produce a ton of stimulus by doing that one all-out set, so, basically,
1: people that are, like, more often f- more fast-twitch dominant, right? Yeah. They get
2: strong fast with low
1: volumes, and that strength starts to climb so much that the workouts get better and better because the low volumes are pushed up by intensity.
2: Yeah. But for for a beginner just starting out and you know, trying to build your work capacity strategically, whether that's just adding a set per week, uh, you know, if, if you get into too high, too high of reps per set for, for a beginner, their technique is going to degrade mm-hmm. so much. So I really like using like like controlled uh, rest periods and maybe they start out doing four sets of five on the exercise and then five sets of five the next week, six sets of five all across at the same weight or small incremental. Words from my mouth. uh, Incremental increases in in weight. That'll go a long way because you can develop some technical ability with that as well as, you know, if you're just starting out, you don't need to get into the 6, 8, 10, 12 reps to build muscle, you're going to do that very well in the five rep range with a little caloric surplus. So I would, especially when you're beginning. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's one of those, like you, you get into like the site, we, we tackle this all the time. It's not a cookie cutter thing where you just say like, this is good or this is bad. Like it's contextual and there's trial and error. So ultimately like, yeah, we can say in general, beginners don't need quite as high volumes to make similar gains, but that doesn't
1: necessarily account for you specifically. It's just a general trend. I fear that this can become misinterpreted, but thus we will be very clear on what is meant here. There are certain rates of gain that are genetically and environmentally set that do not depend on your training program. Sometimes you're just not slated to make really fast gains, even from the beginning. Interestingly enough, when I started lifting, I didn't make fast gains but I just kept making gains for 18 years straight, (laughs) slowly. I'm still making gains. So um, just because you're making gains slowly, doesn't mean at all, and there's direct research to confirm this, it means you have a really good chance of actually making gains for a long time, becoming super big and strong. It's just one of those things where I think when people think, oh, I'm not making gains really fast, I need to make gains fast. It's like, yeah, maybe you don't, or maybe you just don't have it in you. And then there's not really a, you know, Chad, how many times in your uh, career as a coach have you encountered folks that have this notion of how fast they should be gaining and it makes them program hop for 10 years until like join your Facebook group for like power building and finally get on a good program. And they're like,
2: what the hell have I been doing for 10 years? And you're like, I don't know, but here you are. Yeah. The, the question of, you know, is it realistic for me to do blah, 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 weight in blah, 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 amount of months or something. It's like totally impossible to, to answer. And yeah, I think people do themselves a disservice in, in trying to find those kind of magic numbers. Cause the variability of it's just way too high. But to the, uh, like the responder type of stuff, there's a intro. Have you read the book, the sports gene, David Epstein? I haven't read the whole book. No, it has uh,
3: it in the house. I haven't read it either.
2: So uh, he, he talks in it about his own uh, college track career, how, he would come in like in pretty poor shape uh out of the summer and and you know have faster rates of it, it, he's just talking about how some people would come in and, and they get out of shape fast and then get back into shape mm-hmm. fast other people never really got that out of shape but compared to you know day one of the the season compared to the end of the season wasn't that much change mm-hmm. and and just how you know people's how how their muscles are made and all the systems and it's like you see some some people who look at a weight and get stronger and you know Larry Wheels type of thing and then other people's muscles they just ain't made of such good stuff and there's no point in just being upset about it just do yeah. your best yeah yeah and that's that's the when people are like trying to figure out their genetics or their genetic limit or something what the point what's the point of figuring it out anyways because you can't do anything to change it so yeah. You can just get as much out of it as you can. You know, if you've been training
1: for five years and you have not a whole lot to show for it and you want to figure out your genetic limit, uh, your question is like, should I even keep doing this? Because I want to be good at something. And if you've been training for like, you know, five years and you're not really good at it, I would say maybe should for something else. I will say this, that if you've been gaining weight or at least maintaining your weight and you haven't gotten a lot stronger in three to five years of training, you probably don't you're probably not cut out for that sort of thing there is uh i was talking to greg knuckles about this a while ago in many ways training um is a way of discovering your gen- your genetic potential versus how different the training is and these minutiae really opening up a whole new world for you like um and this is kind of a sad reality it's actually something chad talks about all the time um at least behind closed doors and we'll see if you can talk <laughs> in public um that um you know good athletes man they're just fucking good man and you can train them really well and they win the olympics you can train them okay and they still they're top d1 performers right maybe they'll go to the olympics but they're fucking still good and then for people that just aren't really good man there's just not there's not like if they're like okay i've been doing everything perfectly and you look over their logs and they talk to you and they know what they're talking about they've done everything great like i've been training for four years and i'm just not seeing these gains and like, you look at them, you look at their numbers, but when they started, they're just actually not. You're just like, look, like, what is it? And you're, it's you, man, there's just nothing there, <laughs> man. like, it's you,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, especially in those like pure output sports track and field and weightlifting, the genetics are going such an incredibly long way. Like you could have all the, the want and the best program ever to run the hundred meters. And you know, if, if your waist isn't small and your legs aren't this proportion and you're, you know, muscles don't insert at this angle with this percent of fast twitch. It just ain't going to happen. Like you can't no, will yes. yourself beyond that. But you know, to the, to the uh, effect of like different, different responders, as people know, I'm adopted. And about five years ago I met, did you mean to say adapted? <laughs> I met my biological brothers, uh, two full biological brothers. So I was 27 and they were 25 and 21. Uh, at the time I was, you know, what, six, one, 350 pounds. Did you instantly consume them to gain their strength? <laughs> the uh, the twenty five year old was maybe six foot one ninety, and the twenty one year old was like 5, 10, 165. and I was one sixty five <laughs> when I was thirteen. And yeah, I was bigger than them when I you know, at birth and and growing up as a kid, I guess. But I wonder if I was more a case of like epigenetics, and that they just never. Maybe they are supposed to be freakishly large. Well, genetics too.
1: for potential and genetics for realization are two different things. Yeah. Like you can just walk around and be a normal person. Like you say, you look at the weights, hit the steel, and all of a sudden you blow up. Like, well, I'm not going to use myself as an example of a good athlete because mm-hmm. I'm not like you. But like you know, I'm like 5'6", 265 or whatever. My dad is five five, 150 pounds. He's the second biggest member of my family. I got to a drug free, but fat, but muscular, two seventy. Um, you know, if my dad lifted weights fuck like he could be probably freaking pretty jack but he just just the set point for body weight's just not that high yeah and how much did i have to force feed myself to get this big a lot but some people will force feed and put on only fat doesn't work only fat doesn't work and it just it's just not happening so there's a difference between where you start and your adaptive potential you probably had a good measure of both which is why you're like a nine or some pound squatter you know what i mean but it's one of those things where like in track and field especially especially in sprinting the starting point and adaptive potential are always real close to each other. Mm. Like if you're not the fastest kid at your high school, you're probably not going to the Olympics anytime soon. As a matter of fact, if you're not beating adults as a 10 year old racing, you're probably not going to the Olympics anytime soon.
3: And the other thing too is like you don't have to be overly attached to one thing whether it's track in this example or being big and strong like you might be great at other sports that you just haven't had exposure to yet totally right so maybe you're not the fastest or most jacked guy but you might be an awesome rugby player or maybe even fucking darts oh uh, what about endurance bowl, athlete or dude. endurance i've athlete, seen people yeah.
1: like try it weightlifting suck 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 take up cycle racing and start winning just shit take like off. oh it looks like i there's a reason i sucked at weightlifting <laughs> i'm all slow to it
3: most people tend to gravitate towards the sports and activities that they're good at but if you don't get that exposure and you have this you ideal, like, I yeah. want to be Chad. Well, you're never going to be Chad. You're never going to be Chad, but it doesn't mean you can't be good at something, something else.
2: more beautiful. Yeah. Well, which is not hard to do. I mean, look at you. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Have you not seen the meme pages? I'm known across the internet for my handsomeness. It's
1: true. Frustrated
2: strength coach.
1: They, he, He's going to be cutting off your you. face
2: pretty soon and putting <laughs> it on a fucking it. hat.
1: Um, Marcos. I like the 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 it one where
3: it was like, we've got Chad <laughs> Wesley Smith down here.
1: He gets down there. Chad's like, hello. He's like, I watched your bench pillars video. Okay. Chad's like, sweet. What'd you think? <laughs> He's like, it's pretty good. they just kind of like. Um, You want to play in this poo water? (laughs) Yeah. Is there a clown here? Nope. (laughs) Um, You train New York's best and brightest. Have you ever had clients with just exotic goals of like, I want to be fucking shredded and jacked and the willpower to achieve them, like ready, working, and just you knew at some point during the process that their genetics were just going to be this huge cap? And like, if that has happened, is there a way to like- Tell clients that maybe a hint, like drop something in their locker, like before they leave the gym, like it's a note. I used to tell that to our temple students, hey, I have a crush on you, but well, like anything, I'm out to shit. Well, we're <laughs> you
0: like
3: really, you tell that to temple students, wow. yeah, they'd be like, Oh, I failed a P three times, but I really need to get to PT school. I'd be like, Bro, <laughs> that ship sailed. <laughs> you gotta think, I never else. did that as a professor. i was like,
1: I don't know. You, 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 we can be well,
3: good with at
0: coaching, stuff. it depends how cool you are with the client or the type of relationship you have. And then at that point, I just, yeah, you, you're honest, you're like, Yo, man. Look here, son. You're never gonna make it. Stop, quit, rap, sell drugs, play basketball. Do what you got to (laughs) do.
1: Is that the kind of demographics you uh, you, you're a personal trainer? Obviously not. Can't (laughs) pay bills with that demographic. (laughs) All right. So let's see. Chad Wesley Smith. Thoughts and experience on difference between female and male powerlifting programming as it pertains to intensity slash volume. Volume, there's answers about it all over, and I'll just sum it up. Women can handle more volume, so let's not talk about that. But intensity is a curious concept. I would love to hear your opinion on it, Chad. Female versus male, average intensity, weight on the bar relative to 1RM in a powerlifting program. Hit
2: it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the females are going to be higher there as well, particularly in the bench press. Uh, you know, you're know, you going to get female powerlifters who can take like 97% of their, of their bench PR for a triple and then you add two and a half kilos and it goes from, you know, one at seven RPE to zero at 11 RPE. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in, in the, in the squat and deadlift, it's less significant. So I'd say anywhere from three to maybe as high as six, maybe even 7% in the bench press, a female would be that much higher relative to, to a similarly qualified male. Solid. It's kind of trippy as a male coach. I think you and I have talked about
1: this. When you program for females, you'll write programs. and be like, no one's going to survive this. Yeah. And then they're like, it's easy. And you're like, say what? Say what? The stuff I write, uh, I help uh, Crystal with her programs every now and again. The stuff I write down, I'm like, she's going to die. And sure enough, she's like, I did it. And I'm like, I've wrote, written up the last couple, like the last month, I've done
3: two mass specialization phases for like my female clients who aren't particularly strong. Mm-hmm. And you just look at it and you're like, what? You're training arms almost every day or mm. training legs like virtually every day.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Marissa's done 11 sets of six, like hard squatting in one session. Come back a couple, uh, four or five days later and do another seven sets of six like that. Jesus Ooh. Christ. Marcus, you ever done, uh, well, let's start at the
1: top. Have you ever done any squats?
0: Yes, Michael. You sure about that? High Robert? bar and low bar.
1: You're just spinning out words at this point. (laughs) Um, Have you done a set of six before? Can you count to six? I can. can. do it. It's the
0: number one. It's the number before seven.
1: That's actually good. You got that right. (laughs) Lucky guess. Chad Wesley Smith. Is a recovery different for taller guys with more muscle mass? Not necessarily stronger, but just muscle mass because of a bigger frame.
2: Probably, yes. And especially in the terms that we talk about MRV and a number of sets, overloading sets per week, taller person, each of their sets is more work than the, than the shorter person. You know, the, the Thor Thor Bjornsson, Sergei Fedosienko is like the extreme example I give for that. Both as qualified as could be when Sergei pulls his sumo deadlift and the bar moves, you know, two or three inches and compared to when Thor pulls a conventional deadlift and it probably moves the entirety of Sergei's height. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even, toe, toe to head. <laughs> ahead. Yeah, even though they're they're both the strongest in, in the world, and and uh, so their qualification is equal the the absolute distance the bar is moving plus the absolute weight on the bar. Uh, I know they're saying though, even with the same weight on the bar, mm-hmm. um, I honestly think that if uh, what's his
1: name uh, to, uh, Thor Bjornson did Fedotenko's workout with him, like all of his reps, Thor would tire the fuck out. He yeah. probably does like sets of six, like six sets of six at 180 kilos. Like
2: that's like gadding up at some point your back's just pumped and you're like, ah, can we stop doing yes. this? Like, yeah. So if, if we're just talking about, did he say taller and heavier, but the same strength? Is yes. What he said? Yes. So like
1: more muscle mass, but because you have to move the weights a bigger distance, the numbers on the uh, a bar are the same. So like, if you have like a, uh, like someone who is, like, like, a, like a super badass Asian lifter that's doing the crazy Japanese sumo technique and mm-hmm. shit and, you know, lifting, deadlifting 500 pounds and then like a lanky, super tall dude that's doing 500 too but weighs like 200 pounds. Like, uh, is what is the difference in like fatigue and, and, and uh, so on and so forth that's going to occur? Is there like a predictable like, yeah, just because you're taller and bigger, it's going to be more fatigue or is it like strength is mostly what's going on there?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the, the height and the weight is going to, increase it a little bit, but then the strength is bringing it back down. So maybe, yeah, you end up with slightly high, slightly more fatigue, but it's not that significant. So strength is definitely the biggest fatiguing factor. Difference between individuals other than gender,
1: maybe, or sex.
2: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say sex is is the most significant one, but with the strength in, in this hypothetical example, experience is probably also not equated there. Mm -hmm. And just like if we were making these into real people, experience is probably not equated either. So you have both of those factors working to lower MRV, even though the height and weight, or sorry, you have the lower experience, lesser relative strength, uh, raising MRV while height and weight are lowering it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets pretty complicated. Yeah. I have a chart. I have a chart for this. I was going to say, I wish somebody had
1: a chart. Um, Chad, best exercises or drills to increase sumo speed off the floor, assuming technique is the issue and not, or sorry, I'm sorry, assuming strength is the issue and not technique or mobility. I'm going to interject here real quick and wonder how the fuck strength can be an issue if, if it's not t- a technique thing, why speed off the floor matters much if your strength is good.
2: Yeah. do you think it matters much for the sumo, yeah, the sumo deadlifter moving the bar quickly from the floor should not be very a very high priority uh you know if you can do it that's that's fine but people try and pull fast and and have kind of a sudden start if you round your back you can actually pull real fast right off the floor problem yeah. is you got to fix that shit on the way up and then that's yeah. real bad yeah exactly the, the off the floor and in, in the sumo deadlift is very similar is similar in a lot of ways not technically but the conceptually it's like the first pull of a clean or snatch all it is is setting you up to be in the right positions at the top so i'm i'm always cueing people of, of patience off the floor and even it's it's going to end up being slow but i'd much rather them be slow in the right position than You you yank the bar off the floor, it moves fast, but then they're never in a position to finish it. I think there's a whole generation of powerlifters or half generation that were
1: coached by folks who competed in the equipped era, even though they didn't equip themselves. And they were coached on speed from the start because the way to run and gun best with a bench shirt, deadlift suit, squat suit is to use the force curve and get it up as fast as possible. You're basically letting the suit launch the most weight for you. Um, It doesn't work like that raw. Uh, if you start out too fast, it is another reason why I'm not a huge fan of uh, super fast breaking speed, especially off the floor in a deadlift. That can cascade you into a poor, like it can throw off your technique. Like it literally yeah. throws off the bar path. And then you got a real, so what? You're up halfway in the cra- fucking full quarter, a quarter of a second. Nobody's counting how fast that shit is, dude.
2: Yeah. Take and, your fucking time. And I think people will, would equate in their mind to thinking that, well, I was closer to making it. Yeah, because the bar right. was closer to lockout. Right. That's like, but that doesn't necessarily mean you were you were truly closer to making the lift. Yeah, like, that's like running your race car super fast and running out of fuel right before
1: the end of the race. Like, no, the reason you're not making it is because you're going super fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, really, really trippy. Elwin Kasar Spicy, very spicy for Chad Wesley Smith. Is there anything special that he does? on powerlifting meet day in order to perform maximally? Or is there something that you'd suggest people do to perform maximally on their powerlifting meet day? Things. what a huge question. Let's talk about psychological shit. How does Chad Wesley Smith unleash the fucking dragon within? Is it a dragon? Is it a lion or is it just a, a <laughs> satanic goat in a pentagram?
2: <laughs> uh. um, well, I mean you probably as much as anyone could attest that no, animals are releasing from me at powerlifting Meat day as we got to be roommates in Australia for my first 2,300 pound total. I was probably about as pumped up as I am right now. Exactly as pumped up. You're
0: welcome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mike did a shitty job of wrapping my knees and we had to switch it to a real strong, strong handed man. (laughs) Offensive. Continue. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, most of the psychological preparation, is is going to be a product of the entire training process. Um, yeah, if you're if you're approaching training the right way on a day to day basis, to where you're you're focused on on technical development and and not you know putting on a show for your training partners or Instagram or, or whatever that may be, um, and thinking that you have to do something sort of beyond yourself, then I think you're you're ready to go to a, go to a meet and adrenaline is going to be there. Whether you try and make it there or not, there's going to be that anxiousness and and everything. And yeah, you th- never dealt with lifters that are like uh, j- need. So
1: people tell me this stuff all the time at jujitsu and powerlifting. Like, like I need help getting amped up. I, I don't always understand that because I, uh, I I get it some somewhat, but usually I think most people need to calm the fuck down. I don't know. It's also usually an over reliance
3: on getting amped up and training, and then you have a hard time actually uh. doing it when you need to.
0: Yeah, that happens to me in my younger years, whether it's like, you know, I need to, I need to work out to so heavy metal and like all my pre-workout. And then it's like, what do I do when I don't have that? It's like, fuck, I'm eating shit now. So well, it took it, me a while to like just try to get, you know.
2: And it's like every, every time you do it, the effect of it becomes less profound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, uh, I don't know, if fight or flight's the right the right term in it, but but that same kind of stress
3: response. Yeah. yeah.
2: Once it becomes, uh, I've done this all the time type of thing. It's not going to give you that, that same juice right. that if it's, if it's the first time or one of the newer times to, to really get, let your adrenaline and stuff start to take you like that, but not to the point where you can't focus on your technique anymore. Uh, you know, visu- visualization stuff I think is, is useful as well. Typically in the few days before a meet, every scenario in my head has played out from, you know, bomb outs to really. So you're thinking about the stuff. Oh yeah. It's, it's tough for, for it to not, uh, not cross your mind. I remember back in your old stomping grounds at ETSU. One of the first times that I, I, or I won my first national championship in the shot put there and the night before the meet, you know, I couldn't sleep at all and had every scenario from fouling out to setting the NAIA record run through my head and then i fouled my first two throws so i was right on the verge of of fouling out made the next one won the meet and then on the sixth throw after i'd, I'd already won through what would have been the NAIA record except i ended up fouling that too in a terrible <laughs> in a terrible way to foul because i you know, let go of it kind of spun around again saw it hit the ground and saw how far it was uh-huh. and it like drew me out. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> just, uh, and you stepped over. Yeah. But oh like my- a, a real fight, uh, you know, like hopping God. on one foot, kind of trying to stay in, but <laughs> they, they still measured it for me. just,
1: if we could get a
2: ghost to push you back and
1: in time, like how many puppies <laughs> would you send into a slaughter mill <laughs> as a, an exchange, Chad? um i'll pass on this okay so <laughs> a no, lot of puppies. there's no right answer here. is it kittens that you prefer then <laughs> I, I see where this is going uh z thompson 27 i sure hope he wasn't 27 years old when he made that profile name or maybe he's the 28th z thompson yeah with the first one just being z thompson mm-hmm. um maybe maybe 29th because z thompson zero prime um i saw this on cnn today he says <laughs> how do you feel about laughing as an exercise How many sets of laughing should I do? What's the MRV for laughter? Should this be done loudly in the gym or in my own home? Thank you for your time. Who was I talking to um, about training volume? Was it you, Scott, the sound guy? Training volume is how loud you yell when you train. (laughs) And nobody can critique you. You're like squatting, just going, ah! like sir can you please keep it down like no it's high training volume they're like oh damn well i don't know it's not that high and then you yell later she's like that's good (laughs) chad get it training laughter let's talk about it what makes the wesley smith just feel just heart brimming with joy tell us about what makes you happy like a deep hearty gut
2: laugh (laughs) Oh, oh whatever you know the that movie like Elf a, or something. I don't know. That was, that was like a Job of the Hut kind of. Ooh, uh, ooh, there's ooh, a reason ooh, I ooh, made ooh, that ooh. laugh, Chad. Oh shit. Um, some of the some of the hardest laughter I've had for sure is when Max and I are making the the movie parodies. Those are funny. Uh, I don't know how you guys get through that shit. <laughs> Those are so sometimes. funny. The first the, the, there was nothing like the Commando one that that first time. I and mean, there's so many awkward scenes in that. Besides like us tickling each other to the ice cream feeding. It's one. The ice cream one. Yeah. yeah. Or like making up the the plot to the Heavy Ducks mockumentary. Dude, that was so good. I, I, I hate the Facebook sharing algorithm because I shared the fuck out of it and like three people saw it. I feel very bad as Goldberg was arrested once again for public intoxication like last week. You're kidding. I hope we didn't push him over the edge. He's like, oh. ah, people making
1: documentaries about me.
0: Yeah. Can we do films like that?
2: Scott?
1: Yeah, Scott says we can. What do you want to be? What kind of character do you want to be?
0: Um, Scarface. Racist. (laughs) It's a little racist. (laughs) Why was it
1: racist? Wasn't he Italian? (laughs) Oh, no, wait. The actor's Italian. What was Scarface in the movie? Cuban. Cuban? You're not Cuban? Why is that racist? What are you again? American. American is the answer. What
0: What movie would we do? We could do Expendables. We still got to do our Karate Kid one.
2: Yeah. Who's the Karate Kid in that one? You? Yeah, I think I'm Daniel Sun and you're Johnny Lawrence i'm the bad guy yeah oh god i can't wait
1: that's gonna be good
3: Sweet. especially night. if we get a
2: great blonde wig for you too
1: <laughs> god, time like, out yo Chinese has been hitting the fucking sauce god <laughs>
0: damn is he in high school <laughs> why does he have back hair have you guys rolled against each other yet oh, yeah. this is
1: one of the questions we have a long time ago when chad was much less technically proficient
2: well we have twice that's one
1: once Ooh. in i know we were just doing stand-up then yeah yeah the one people We were always. just getting tooled up by Arturo at that point. Yeah, he was killing us. We rolled against a D1 wrestler who just stood stand up against him. He was just like, "Yeah, oh, I'll take a single leg here, a single leg
2: there." And we're just like, "This sucks." And I've been doing jiu-jitsu for uh, probably like 3 months at that point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long have you been doing it now?
2: I started last August. I've had like 2 full months off in that year for work travel stuff, but Yeah, so you were at Henzo's this morning or yesterday? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday.
3: you went to Henzo's? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Did
2: you beat Henzo and his own did you meet him? No, nah, he wasn't there. Uh, uh, Luca Atella was the professor of the class I was in. But I'm going to go again tomorrow morning, I think.
3: This
1: guy is so big. That guy's Chad. Who are you doing? Eating elephants or something?
0: <laughs> That's you know what I love on, on Instagram is uh, Renato... Nataldo Laranja, La yeah, do you follow him on he's Instagram. He's so god. good. Oh my god, Chad, so are you serious? You, you gotta watch Laranja.
1: Follow him on Instagram. You gotta like <laughs> interview that. him or something because he's unbelievable.
3: His whole spoof is that he just does a really good fake Brazilian guy to the point that people don't know that he's he's spoofing. <laughs> and he'll yeah. like he used to go around and like call out all these uh, Brazilian fighters like Why are you ducking me? Why are you ducking me?" And they'd be like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> yeah, they
0: get like legit pissed. He's like thirty-seven time general. world champion. Yeah, yeah thirty-seven time
1: Mundials. Chad. There was fun, there was reality, and then there was the end. Gentlemen, do you have anything more to say to Chad before we kick him the fuck off our show?
3: No, it was awesome. Thanks for having us for the seminar.
1: Chad, I'm just going to make something real clear. Your podcast is a little fishing trolley, a mm-hmm. crab boat, and over the horizon, a giant thousand foot megaton wave comes up. <laughs> and You know we- that crab boats are big, right? yeah but like compared to a thousand foot wave james <laughs> just anyway can i fucking those, finish a rogue wave here's the wave right now the sports scientists uh-huh. is like a little rowboat that's on top of the wave about to die real soon and that wave is like i don't know like joe rogan or some shit anyway yeah chad thank you so much good. for coming on the podcast thank you one sirs. of the most educational ones we had uh, along with quinn you need to when the max one comes out you will see that it is uh, not remotely educational that was sweet anyway folks as always And I mean this when I say it. The Dark Lord is always watching you. Hail Satan. And we'll see you next time.
0: I'll be back.